0: Welcome to another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in, and all the details of the characters, concepts, places, things, and stuff from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I'm here with my cloned host, Ross. Ross. (laughs) Mac, it is great to be back
1: today. We are getting to this a little bit later than normal, but uh, we are happy to make it happen this week. We have uh, just two topics on the agenda today, but still a pretty full-size episode. We are Mm going to start out by talking about an episode of The Clone Wars, Season 2, Episode 1, Holocron Heist, the first appearance Mm -hmm. of Cad Bane.
0: Yeah a great character and of course we're going to have spoilers where this is similar to other Clone Wars episodes we've done where we're going to deep dive through the actual beats of the story so please watch it ahead of time or refresh yourself if you want to um, but don't don't, don't listen to this before you've seen it
1: just don't yeah, do we, that as always highly recommend watching the Clone Wars great show second mm-hmm. we are going to do Armando topic for this week Yay. after watching chapter 5 the siege so just as warned you know if you haven't seen it go watch it uh, probably a little bit more important. We are going to be talking about cloning, and I'm not going to say anything else to avoid spoilers. We're just
0: yeah, we're just going to talk about cloning. Yeah. If you haven't seen episode nine, wow, or isn't it great? Two, when the clone
1: Mando fights the clone baby Yoda in this week's episode. Oh my god, it's so incredible. Oh my god, That's when clone really, Cara Dune happen. just shoots herself in the face. That did
0: not expect it, that. That. <laughs> that didn't happen. But we haven't seen chapter thirteen. Who knows what might happen. <laughs> uh, but with that in mind, I think we're ready to go. We're going to dive into it right after this.
1: Saying, Bounty Hunter, I have need of your services. I'm listening. I need a Jedi Holocron. To get a Holocron, I'd have to break into the Jedi Temple. It's impossible, not to mention deadly.
0: Perhaps your reputation has been exaggerated.
1: I want a rogue class starfighter with elite weapons, cloaking device, the The works. works. Oh, i triple my usual rate. Your price is of no concern. I will also provide you with the means to get inside the temple. You've got a deal. Mac, sometimes in Star Wars we have to learn tough lessons. Mm. And in this episode of The Clone Wars that we're going to be discussing today, the whole plot centers around Ahsoka learning a valuable lesson sometimes things aren't always as they appear. Mm. And even though this episode gives us a lot of really cool stuff that we're going to discuss today, for the most part, the entire story hinges on Ahsoka, um, well, overcoming something that she's struggling with. Yes. And that's where the episode is going to pick up today. So we are going to talk about uh, Season 2, Episode 1 of The Clone Wars, Mm -hmm. the episode titled Holocron Heist. And this episode is big for a couple of reasons. Like I said, it features all of our big heroes, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, Mace, Yoda. It also is the introduction of a character who is a huge fan favorite, Cad Bane, the Bounty Hunter. So we are going to discuss all of this today, this entire episode. Uh, So if you've never seen it and you want to watch it and you don't want to have anything spoiled, you might want to go give it a watch first. But otherwise, we are going to dive right in. So, Mac, mm-hmm. have you watched this episode recently? I have not.
0: <laughs> I was supposed to. That's okay. But it's been a wild week, so I, I did not get to it, unfortunately.
1: That's okay. Well, that's all right, because I have watched it recently. I've watched it uh, maybe two or three times this year. It's definitely a great episode that I find myself going back to uh, a fair amount. Uh, and especially for one of the first two seasons, uh You know, grouping of episodes, it's definitely one of the best arcs between the two. So, highly, highly recommend watching it if you haven't. And I do
0: remember, I mean, I remember some of when this came out because I was watching Clone Wars as it came out week by week and listening to podcasts and stuff that were like flavor text, Yeah, I remember this being, you know, really exciting for me because it's it's the Holocron heist, and so like we were gonna get into. Making holocrons, like, into super canon, because while they've been kicking around canon, they originated in, like, the Knights of the Order of Public Comics, so I've always been a big fan of them, and it was kind of cool to start seeing, well, we'll get into it, like, where they're (laughs) heisting from, the fact that it exists and was established in canon in this makes me so happy.
1: (laughs) Yes. And it's something that we've seen pop back up all over canon. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But let's start where the episode opens. Mm -hmm. So we see that there are a couple of different battlefronts happening on Felucia. We have Anakin and Obi-Wan together fighting, and we have Ahsoka leading another force off on her own. A retreat is happening. Anakin and Obi-Wan, they're pulling out. Rex is there. They're getting out of the situation. They're abandoning the front for the meantime. Mm -hmm. And Ahsoka's refusing to leave because she feels like she's about to win her battle, like she's about to defeat these droids. And as Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive in a dropship to pick her up and have to basically order her onto the ship, Anakin yells at her, basically, you've lost, you just can't see it yet. Mm -hmm. And as they're taking off, she sees her tanks that they left behind and her position completely get overrun from every angle. And it's just this really cool battle scene to see, especially, you know, the early on animation, really, really impressive uh, this sort of aerial shot of just these droids closing in in a giant circle, kind of a noose just tightening around this area. And it's just, you know, a, a big moment for her where she was so convinced she was right and she was so convinced she was following Anakin's teachings to have her kind of a uh, failure put on display like cool. that for her, uh, you know, is a, is a big moment for her early on that we don't see a ton of her... Well, I don't want to say we don't see a ton of her learning or failing or anything like that, right. but it's it's very rare an episode is centered around her failure. It's normally more centered around her success.
0: Right, and, and I think the other fun thing about this is it's Anakin teaching a lesson that he probably should be learning harder as well. <laughs>
1: as all masters do, continue
0: to learn, right? Yeah, because I think the thing that it's kind of implying here is she really wants to finish the fight and she's surprised that anakin doesn't want her to and it's because again anakin has the perspective to know what's going on but it's also she has learned already from his example the whole like you know i I guess to be honest the the attachment like the 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 drive to i have this idea of what's supposed to happen in my head and i'm going to hold on to it probably long after i should have given up on it you know, and that's Anakin's whole problem. Absolutely. She's, so basically, she's learning from Anakin, and Anakin's like doing a, I think a very much a, a like do as I say, not as I do kind of uh, lesson <laughs> here.
1: Very much the type of master he is, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we get to see it here. They arrive back at the Jedi Council, and basically, uh, Yoda and Mace and everybody else are like, oh, okay, you know, Obi Wan has explained the situation. Is this you know, what happened? Tell us the truth. We're ready to hear your side of things now. And Ahsoka very much uh, shows her... Hmm. How should I put this? She shows her ability to play the game, I think, Mm. which is something that Anakin, you know, has struggled with. We see him struggled with. And basically she says, like, I'm sorry, this is all my fault. I wasn't trying to be disobedient. I thought what I was doing was right. I Mm -hmm. thought I was, you know, I thought I was making the right call. And basically, you know, she's showing that she's willing to learn, but it's funny because Anakin tries to jump in and, and take the blame here for, you know, exactly like you just said, Mac. Mm-hmm. He he tries to basically say, this is my fault, I've given her, you know, too much free reign, basically, is what he's saying. You know, he's, he's kind of, like, endorsed her, you know, making these decisions, and... He has, absolutely. We've seen it and we're gonna see it again.
0: Right. You get the idea of that you go you can see Jedi of like, you know, when they have to sign the check at the end of the meal, it's a lot of infighting about like, no, no, let me take the check. No, 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 let me take the check. <laughs> right. Like they're they're yeah. they're, they're kind of yeah. like, um they're really obsessed with responsibility. So you see the trading around of just like everyone trying to make this situation right, and I don't know if either party really understands what I guess, what went wrong? Because it's a combination of things. It's complex. It's not just any one person's fault. Sure. Sure, sure, sure.
1: Well, they decide that the best thing for her would be to take some time to do a job that requires, uh, you know, a different set of skills. And Mm -hmm. that is basically guarding the library, guarding the Jedi archives. Mm -hmm. And at first, she considers this assignment to be you know, below her Step or down. a waste of her time or talent. Yeah, yeah, a demotion, right? right? Right. But as she arrives at the library and as she meets Jocasta Nu, the Jedi librarian, uh, throughout the course of the episode, she learns how important of a duty this is. Mm-hmm. So, Mac, I know this is something you're particularly yeah. excited about. Tell us about what we'll find in the well, Jedi library besides text of knowledge. So the
0: thing is, we've seen, like, the digital bookcases and stuff. Um, you, you know, when we see the library in Episode 2, you kind of get a feeling of, like, just how big and dense it is. And you also see, yep. um, you know, the statue of the Lost 21 kind of going down the center row. And, you know, when she's being taught by Nu of like, well, actually, your, your main duty will be protecting this. And we sort of go to a corner where we did not see in the movies, and we see the Holocron vault which is just this you know, massive collection of all these little geometric shapes that are the holocrons, these storage mm-hmm. systems of ancient knowledge, these interactive so- yes. pseudo-computers, because they're like hologram projectors, but they're more complex, they're more ancient, yeah. and there's a little more of the force running around them because they are, for lack of a better term, they are fully interactive and not like a computer program, like a... like it's essentially an, a master kind of putting down their memoirs and what they've learned for posterity and sort of channeling a little bit of their essence into it.
1: Yeah, I think you you really hit the nail on the head when you kind of say, touched by the Force. There's something that only a Jedi can open. Mm-hmm. And in this case, uh, Jocasta Nu, the Jedi librarian, uh, tells Ahsoka that only Jedi masters are allowed in. It's been years since she's even been in there herself. Mm-hmm. And we see Kit Fisto, who's a member of the council until episode three. Yeah. Uh, we see him going in here. So a, a nice little Kit Fisto moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that becomes sort of Ahsoka's introduction to the concept. Well, I mean, she knows what a holocron is before this, but it's her moment of clarity around, oh, maybe everything you know, that I'm told to do has some meaning or some importance behind it. And she's starting to realize this assignment might be a little bit more than she initially understood.
0: Yeah. And I think it's starting to now, backpedal a little bit of like, you know, it, the glory in battle is not, is not really what the Jedi care about. Like protecting this knowledge is more important than any a particular <laughs> battle.
1: Absolutely. Now, This is about as good a time as any to introduce our main character for the episode, because even though this is a story about Ahsoka, this episode really stands out And most of the uh, story from about, so he appears about six and a half minutes in, from that point on resolves around this character, and that character is Cad Bane. Mm -hmm. So this is our first time talking about Mr. Bane on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're not familiar, he's this great, great... Duros Bounty Hunter, he's got this sort of really skinny, thin, tall look to him. He's got a giant Western-style hat on, a long trench coat, definitely, you know, evoking that gunslinger look.
0: I think that's one of the biggest things about it is, like, if you've been enjoying The Mandalorian and the whole, like, re-injection of the Western genre into Star Wars... Cad Bane was sort of like the first sort of callback to that because he is very much, I mean, he's basically got like a leather duster coat. He's got that wide brim hat. He's a gunslinger. And he also has that sort of almost a draw to him, like the way he talks. He's got a little bit of that 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 little bit of Southern Texan sort of draw to how he talks.
1: Corey Burton, the voice Mm -hmm. of Cad Bane, and also should point out also the voice of Dooku. Yes. And many, many other uh, smaller parts, mm-hmm. but worth pointing out uh, because he does such a fantastic job. So we see Cad Bane for the first time. It's this amazing shot where we're looking in through the a window in Coruscant, you know, millions upon millions of windows. Right. And we pan in, we zoom into one and through kind of the light filtering in through the shade, we see Cad Bane leaned up against the wall, arms crossed, looking out the window. Um, giving us all of the vibes we need to let us know that he is a bad guy, that he is not one to be trifled with. And if that's not enough, he's got a dead Jedi Knight in the corner. Yes. So, you know, just to let you know that this is a serious guy you're working with. So we start out here, we meet Bane, and he is contacted by Sidious, or at least the person we know to be Sidious, even though, you know, you don't, hear that name here in the moment and he is tasking bane with stealing a jedi holocron and bane basically says well that's impossible and deadly so no
0: that's suicide
1: (laughs) (laughs) but sidious basically goads him into it you know he's like oh i thought you were the best and of course bane says well okay i guess if the pay is right Uh, and that pay by the way triple his usual rate Plus a super high-tech starfighter decked to the nines. Not only that, but Sidious is going to provide him with schematics and information about the temple. So everything Mm -hmm. he should need to
0: get on his way, right? Yeah, because he's going to get a stealth ship with a cloaking device, which no ship that small should have a cloaking device. <laughs> um, triple his normal pay. Yeah. And and again, this is where one of the design cues about Cad Bane that you get here is, Cad Bane is designed to be an anti-Jedi. I mean, he's got rebreathers on his neck, so you can't force choke him. He's got rocket boots, so he can keep up with force leaps and stuff like that. Like, this dude is engineered from the word go design-wise to be... A threat to Jedi.
1: Yes, and throughout his many appearances in the Clone Wars, you come to learn this, that he is not some superhuman fighter. He is just a bounty hunter who is very smart, very cunning, very capable, and has enough gadgets to be able to go toe-to-toe with a Jedi for a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those tools that he has here, only in an early episode, is Toto 360, his droid. And we see him embedding things into the back of his droid, soldering new things into place. We see him place a security chip into him. Now, at this time, uh, a changeling by the name of Kato arrives at his door and... Bane shows the changeling that Sidious has provided a map of the temple as well as the security chip inside of Toto. So, you know, giving us some justification for how he's going to be able to pull off this heist. And Bane says Mm -hmm. that even with all this info, you know, there are so many traps that someone needs to be on the inside disabling them. And that's why he needs this changeling's help. Now, if you don't remember from episode two, this is the same type of species as Zam Wessel was. Basically this reptilian-like... uh, character who can basically turn into another being just by touching them. Now, at this moment, this is when we're introduced to Ord Essence or I- Inceince. I I'm having trouble saying it. Ahsoka pronounces Einsence. it later in the episode. Inceince. I'm having trouble with it. uh This <laughs> is the dead Jedi over in the corner, and I love how you know Cato just remarks, "Well, that looked like a Jedi," and Pain goes, "He was."
0: Like, just like, it's just commonplace for him, just taking out a Jedi. And and again, channeling the energy that got Boba Fett to be such a popular character, Uh we see the effect of Cad Bane and the way people react to him more than we've seen him do anything, and that just sells his credentials as what he is. You know, Darth Sidious is revealing himself to this guy to hire him for a job. You know what I mean? We see that he's casually killed a Jedi off screen. It just sells him as powerful and a threat without him actually doing anything other than some soldering so far.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And we will get to see him be a threat more and more throughout the episode, which is what is great. It's such a slow ramp. Um, Now this is where our Jedi start to come back into the mix because Yoda senses that something is off, but doesn't quite know what just knows that they need to be on alert and then, as we see here, we see uh, Cato coming in to the Jedi Temple, into the library. We see Bane using his rocket boots for the first time to boost up to the yeah. side of the temple. And there, Bane tries to make contact with Cato, but he is being bothered by Ahsoka. So this mm-hmm. is where Ahsoka comes back in. Cato is in the Jedi Library, in the archives, trying to help Bane enter, shutting off security systems and the like. And basically, he's able to ditch her, but she's going to be a little bit suspicious. And that's going to, you know, come back around later, teaching her to, uh, you know, pick up on some of those small signals.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Now, Kato is able from inside to send coordinates out to Bane and Toto so they can find a weak point to get in. And this is when Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda all kind of detect the presence of these people who are not supposed to be in the temple. So, the Jedi are aware that people are in the temple. Anakin, Obi-Wan, they're Mm -hmm. all sensing it at this point. And, you know, Bane, Toto, they're in the vents now. They're going through these giant ventilation shafts, giant fans. Toto, who's voiced by Seth Green, by the way, um, you know, is tripping over security sensors, and Bane's almost getting sucked into a giant fan. Well, he's definitely the comic
0: relief of this episode. Like, Toto is meant to be kind of laughed at.
1: Oh, no, no doubt about it, and he is... Uh, definitely gets laughed at a few times, but, uh, you know, he'll come back and he'll serve his purpose here in a little bit. So they mm-hmm. uh, they make their way through the temple, you know, through the, through the internal coordinates, and Anakin and Obi-Wan are convinced that they're going to the communications relay, that they're going to find information that they can only get here at the temple. That must be why they're here, trying to get war information. So they're convinced, right? right? So they head to the communications room to try and cut them off. Now, as they go through, you know, more inside, uh, you know, more inside of the temple, Bane, Toto, they're on their way. Uh, Jacosta New realizes mm-hmm. that the Jedi, Kato, is masquerading as, seems out of place. So she yes. approaches him, realizes something is off, realizes that, you know, knowing the temple is on lockdown now, and... Kato knocks her out and takes her identity. Takes her appearance, yeah. yeah, and continues to try and assist Cad Bane. Now, Kato does manage to shut down the security fields as Bane makes his way closer. But as Bane and Toto are at their final step, Ahsoka comes in and realizes what's going on, confronts the fake Jacosta, a lightsaber, I'd call it a battle ensues. But not exactly, because Ahsoka obviously easily defeats someone who is not Force-sensitive with a lightsaber. So she just kind of, you know, performs a few blocks, a few blows, uh, and then is able to essentially overcome him. Now, meanwhile, Cad Bane sends Toto off in another direction. He basically says, okay, cut a hole in the pipe here and make your way... To the security area, you know, make your way to the communications area. And Toto goes, but there's definitely going to be Jedi there, right? And he goes, (laughs) oh, don't worry about it. Just get going. And so Toto heads his way uh, towards the communications center. Anakin and Obi-Wan are following up behind him. And what we see is that Bane used the droid to go and distract. Anakin and Obi-Wan kept following him, and he was able to get into the Holocron vault and steal a Holocron. Right. So at this point, Bane is undetected. The Jedi are following a fake lead. Right. Yep. And he's got a holocron. And we've only got a few minutes left. So Toto arrives at the communications, communications. room. Mm-hmm. He pushes out a vent and he looks up and he sees Mace Windu there and all the other Jedi. And he's realized, that, you know, he tries to talk his way out of it. And then all of a sudden he There's starts a beeping.
0: beeping here. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and Mace shouts Bomb. And of course, Toto's like, Where? Where's there a bomb? Not realizing he is the distraction. He's the bomb. So Mace pushes him back into the vent, closes the vent behind him, just as Anakin and Obi-Wan run up and catch Toto from behind, so they have to now escape the blast running in the opposite direction, and all the meanwhile, while Kato's uh, being captured in the library, we see Bane sneaking out under a Jedi robe with his holocron. Right. So, this entire time, this entire distraction, right, sacrificing a droid, a bounty hunter, Bane still gets away with his holocron.
0: Right. It, it's, um, yeah, because he's he's basically just sort of walking out with a Jedi robe on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great because you can see
1: he's, like, stolen this robe from someone. Uh, it looks good. Um, you know, it suits him, but you can see his face poking out and we know now at the end of the episode, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Mace, you know, they meet with Ahsoka and, you know, they they tell her how great of a job she's done, but they realize that the holocron that's, you know, has been stolen and Mm -hmm. they say, well, that's no good without a Jedi. Well, Cato, the changeling who was helping Cad, reveals that Bane's next target is a Jedi, and not just any Jedi, a Jedi who is Keeper of the Kyber, basically the Jedi who has the list of all of the Force-sensitive children in the galaxy. That same sort of list that we see, actually, in uh, Mm -hmm. Jedi Fallen Order.
0: Yep. Might be literally the same list. It
1: literally probably is. Every bit of evidence points to it. So this is a multiple episode arc that will continue. However, Mm -hmm. this is the end of episode one, and it is a great introduction for a now infamous Star Wars character uh, among fans of the Clone Wars. And with the way uh, Clone Wars characters have been making the jump to live action, you never
0: know. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting because, again, it establishes Cad Bane, who I think was used in the Clone Wars, basically, other than not really having an ending, because he sort of just has a last appearance and it's not particularly, like, written as the last time you'll see Cad Bane. Other than that, like, they basically just did a really good job of using him just the right amount of time that he always was a threat and he never became commonplace. You know, one of the flaws of the show, which they knew, they tried to work against, it, is like people like Saw Ventris and General Grievous get thwarted enough times that you don't really, they don't feel as threatening as as the show goes on, right? But every time Cad Bane shows up, that dude is is trouble.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he means business, and. This introduction to his character just tells us that. I mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. what this episode sets up is how much of a threat he is, because he literally can break into the Jedi temple and steal one of the
0: most valuable possessions out of the Jedi's nose. And, it, and it's great because, like you said, he gets away with it. Like, <laughs> um, It's um, the heroes don't save the day. No, they, the, they win the battle the... but lose the war. Right, you know, and they, that's sort they, of they, the message here, right? It's yeah. Just that Ahsoka's winning, learning is like, you know, you, you know, it's battles that lead up to a war. You won't win every battle, but you need to win the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing is about noticing
1: the details, right? She does. She notices that something is off with this Jedi. She notices that something is off with Jocasta. But then as she thinks she's succeeding, Bane
0: slips right out behind her. Right, and we also learned just again how ruthless Bane is because he sacrifices his his plucky droid companion yep. and totally just leaves his Clawdite partner to be arrested. Like totally doesn't doesn't even attempt to save them. <laughs> Classic Bane. Yeah, but you don't get to be the best by having lots of friends.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. And he's gonna prove that time and time again.
0: Yeah, we definitely need to come back. We need to explore oh, him we more. Will. He's one of my favorite characters from Clone Wars. And... One day he'll get an
1: entire episode. There's no doubt about it. Agreed. Agreed. Once he makes his live action jump or his return to animation, we will uh, we will do a full campaign episode. Me. That'd
0: be so cool. I think it's going to um, happen, Mac. You never know. Well, hey, do you want to go? Uh, let's let's go sideways and let's go talk about some live actionness. Oh, let's do it. I'll see you there.
1: Mac, we want to take a pause from the show here to talk about something that's very important and something we've talked about before. The fact that Star Wars needs to be a place for everybody.
0: That means that everybody... Needs to be welcome.
1: Yeah. And, you know, luckily you and I were uh, both uh, brought up in a way and experienced life in a way that we feel pretty open uh, to mm-hmm. all sorts of different people. But we definitely understand that there are a lot of people out there in different situations who maybe have some different opinions than us. And of course, there are times when differing opinions are perfectly great and valid. But when it comes to human rights, it's something that we believe should belong to every person. And so today, what we're to talk to you briefly about is a fundraiser that has been started by some other members of the Star Wars community. And we just want to take a minute and amplify it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, something we heard at the end of Last Jedi that Rose says is that we're going to win this war not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. And Mm -hmm. what's great about fundraisers like this is we're trying to promote the positive things that this community can do for not just ourselves and Star Wars fans, but the world hmm Absolutely,
1: yes. And uh, it's fun to point out, too, hey, that's also the Jedi's philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people forget about that. But anyway, this uh, fundraiser, which you can find on GoFundMe, and if you search, it is titled Trans Rights Are Human Rights. This is the way. Mm-hmm. And this is a fundraiser that's been going on for a little while now. They've raised over $11,000 at the time of recording this. Isn't that yeah. insane? $11,000.
0: It's exciting, but it's still can go further. Mm -hmm. And that's why we want to boost that voice and let you know about it so that you can support it.
1: Absolutely. So please feel free to seek this out. We are going to share the links on our Twitter uh, as well in the coming weeks uh, to go along with our different Mandalorian segments that we're going to be doing. But uh, we also just want to point out why does this exist, right? Well, where this money is going is to the Trans Law Center to Mm -hmm. help defend people who can't defend themselves against um, either physical attacks or discrimination right and so what we're trying to do here is just let you know that these things are very important to us Mm -hmm. and this is the kind
0: of community that we will have here at star wars all in so let's just look at it this way we're star wars all in for a reason because it's all in on star wars and everyone belongs and this is all about following the way, which is to accept everyone just the way they are and support people's fights to be the people that they are. They're dang fine cloners over there on Camino,
1: right? It sounds like you're trying to do uh, something out of Pirates of the Caribbean.
0: Uh you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna say that Dex Jester might Jetster might have a little bit of connection to like Captain Barbosa. There might be a <laughs> there little might overlap. Be a little something there, something
1: in there. Yeah,
0: they got a they got a real wet mouth <laughs> feel to so the way they talk. If you want to think about it that <laughs>
1: way, uh, he does. He definitely does. And he is the first time. Uh, in Star Wars, that anyone ever mentions the Cloners of Kamino, and
0: yeah, Obi Wan is so, who he's talking to. If you can't picture this in your head, by the way, yeah, it's a diner, and they're looking at Kamino's Saver Dart, and uh, just talking about you know this comes from Kamino, and Kamino is known as um, really really crafty Cloners. Mm-hmm. Now, cloning is a thing that has been kicked around in the in the annals of Star Wars for a long time, especially in Legends. Uh, There was stories like uh, Dark Empire, which actually foreshadows Rise of Skywalker, which we'll get to. Um, You saw uh, a bunch of it in even the first quote-unquote part of the expanded universe in Heir to the Empire. We talk a little bit about cloning. Um, And it's been in the background of Star Wars a lot. But we're going to kind of try, as we usually do, to stick more to canon sources as we discuss cloning and what it is in the star wars universe and this is sort of our mando attached topic because if you have watched chapter 12 the siege it comes up or at least it's alluded to maybe it's a better <laughs> yeah, opponent. alluded
1: to is probably the right way to put it because we don't know everything yet about it but we will learn and we get most of our information on cloning from episode two, Attack of the Clones. And that is where we're mm-hmm. going to start here today with our explanation. So Obi-Wan arrives on Kamino, this rainy world, um, mm-hmm. you know, this ocean planet with no visible land masses other than these man-made structures. And he is greeted, um, I, I mean, I would say in a friendly manner. By oh, yeah. the well, they're, they're
0: happy to welcome
1: him. Yeah, and they believe he is a representative of the Jedi Council here to see the army that they've cloned for him. And of course, to Obi-Wan, this is a bit of a surprise. He knows nothing of the creation of an army, especially when he finds out that this was over 10 years ago. This army was commissioned back before the trade blockade on Naboo, back before mm-hmm. any of the, you know, back when he was still a Padawan. And so... This is complete news to him here that there's this army here that has been made by these uh, Kaminoans,
0: and not only that, it's a clone army. Right, and this is important because we, we as Star Wars fans since 1977 have had this imagination of like, what is cloning in Star Wars? Because we hear the term the Clone Wars. You know, you served my father in the Clone Wars. What are the Clone Wars? What were they cloning? Were, were we fighting the clones? Were the clones fighting for us? And episode two sort of starts to peel back, um, at least in the early 2000s, what George Lucas thought he meant by that line, um, by creating the fact that we have this this legion of troopers that are all cloned from one person, Jango Fett. Um, and we establish some important facts about cloning. First off, all the Canemonians are clones themselves. They are constantly you know using templates and refining their forms and everyone here is a genetically created being uh they don't uh they don't essentially they don't reproduce naturally they only reproduce through their cloning techniques as they try to perfect their physical forms and because their culture has already been built around that that's how they became some of the galaxy's finest you know cloners and they've been occupied themselves with this gargantuan order from the uh, Jedi, for as far as we can tell, it's it's the entire production of their world is producing. This fine clone army, plus all the, sourcing all the equipment and stuff for them as well, because they are yeah. also fielding this army. Yeah. You know, and those venerator class star destroyers come from their purchasing orders.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, you know, they're not only making clones, they're making the technology that goes with it and perfecting it along the way. So they have a very lucrative business model. They're not just selling soldiers, although that is a big piece of it too, and a big crux of some of the Clone Wars episodes. We'll see like, on is how does the republic pay for this you know where is this money Stuff, coming from yeah. uh and so <laughs> you know the the cloners will pop up again but essentially what we learn is they've created an army based on this man Django fett which is who obi-wan is after even though he doesn't necessarily know all of the, the details yet
0: right and we get to see sort of the cradle to grave here we see um you know These vast um, conveyor systems with these essentially artificial wombs, these glass wombs where like we see, you know, uh, essentially fetuses being grown inside them. And then we Mm. see them as children getting this flash training. They're in these little, you know, sort of classroom seats as all these pictures are, you know, going hyper fast in front of them as they're flash learning all the things they need to know as a soldier, and then we see them equipping up and, you know, doing combat trials in the clone armor, which, as Star Wars fans, we are very reminiscent of, yes, it has the T on its face that we're used to from Mandalorian, but that is Stormtrooper armor, to be sure. Um, And it's a fairly haunting image of just, this has all been happening under the Republic's nose, and Obi-Wan is just incredibly confused. And then he sort of asks the questions like, well, well, where's Django Fed? And they sort of like, oh, he's here. We have to keep him around because we get the idea that cloning is like a copy machine. When you copy, copy, copy from the same template, they degrade over time. So Django has been living off and on with them for the last 10 years because they need to keep taking fresh genetic samples from him to make sure the clones keep up the God, this sounds all sick. Like, keeps up the quality of the product. Um and they, you know, they also offhandedly mention that, like, yeah, you know, we've given him a considerable fee to have him stay here with us. But he also asked for one thing, very odd. He wanted an unadjusted clone because we know the clones are slightly, you know, um, spiked in the sense that they're probably improved physically over Django, so they maintain peak you know, human ability as much as they can. But we also know that they're genetically doomed to age at about twice the rate. So like, it's been 10 years. So the majority of the clones that have been produced that are ready for service are all clones who are, you know, roughly like 20 years of physical age, even though they're only 10 years of biological age. And that's
1: the biggest benefit, right? Is that you can have this army that you can make exactly as you want to in the, you know, in the form exactly as you need them to be. You can make it mm-hmm. so, you know, they follow every command. That they, you know, don't get sick. They don't uh, experience any feelings that you don't want them to have. And of course, that will raise a lot of moral questions among the Jedi and others in the Star Wars universe. But that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is the the fact that they are all exact copies of this one same being and that an entire war is going to be fought with this one
0: man. Right. And Django has his legacy in Boba Fett, who is a natural born clone in the sense that yes, he's cloned. He never had a mother, but he also is a actual copy of Django and is going to, through experience and stuff, become different or mm-hmm. or better, but he's unaltered. And the Kimonians definitely, you get the impression that they found that really weird. Like you didn't even want to have a better immune system or a better strength. You just, you just want a duplicate of you. How strange. <laughs> um, How quaint. But it also gives us the extra horror, the fact that like, by the time we get to like the battle of Hoth, like there's probably not very many clone troopers running around because all of them are starting to get to geriatrics. Like, you know, they're all going to be closing on 60-plus years of biological life because their accelerated age makes them a lot older a lot faster. Um, and it's it's kind of a, a dark piece to that. And there's a reason that it is established that in even in canon that the Empire bans cloning. Cloning is illegal in pretty much every system. It wasn't ever particularly, like, super... I don't know if it was illegal, because I don't think there's any canon source that says that, but, like, cloning wasn't normal practice in the Republic, either. Like, cloning is sort of frowned upon, probably because of all the moral implications we're going to talk about. Uh, and the Empire definitely did it because they said, hey, you know, we had this army, and we now see it as morally reprehensible, but it was a thing that we had to do, so we're going to ban it. And, and basically, we now sort of know that, like, much like the Dark Empire comics from Legends... Well, the reason cloning is banning is because the Emperor wants to keep the best cloning resources to himself. Um, Because it's established in Rise of Skywalker that we see that the Emperor is very interested in cloning. Um, He seems to at least have an obsession with trying to clone um, Force-sensitive bodies with high midi chlorine counts. He experiments with Snoke, who we know has mastery of the Force. Mm -hmm. And we know that Snoke's not the only Snoke. Um, And when we see the reborn emperor, we can tell that he was trying to get as close to his body with its power and connection to the dark side. And we can see that that's not working out well. These bodies are twisted. They just don't seem to function right. Yeah,
1: it's, you know, you can clone a person and you can augment them. But when you try and force the force back into something Mm -hmm. that's artificially created... It doesn't want to go there, surprisingly enough. You know, the Force wants to go into a natural living being, and that's where Palpatine is struggling. Um, and also, cloning is not a perfect process either. It's not like no, it's been mastered. You know, we see that with the Bad Batch later on in the Clone yes. Wars, that not
0: every clone is perfect. Mm-hmm. And some get admiralties as they go. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about it is we also get the feeling with the bad batches as the war goes on, we need more soldiers. so we' we're, we're, we're okay with taking the factory seconds now. like we just need to keep deploying people. so yeah it's uh, it's all good mm-hmm. that you know and, and the other thing we also found that it's actually a very important uh, break from from some science fiction writing, especially at the time when you know when George Lucas put the word clone Wars down, we are establishing that clones in this universe are how we know clones to be after cloning sheeps as a species here on Earth, that you are creating a duplicate genetically, but that their experiences then will shape them. Because the clones are not Django Fett as a person. They have their own personalities yes. and they actually have a whole rainbow of different personalities that come out of their experiences and what they latch on. Cause They're still 10 year olds. So, you know, when they see a Jedi or they see an experience, they get really attached to it and they really, you know, try to write that into their personalities as, you know, becoming an individual is a huge part of the clone experience. You know, they're all brothers and they treat each other like family, but they also are desperate to sort of strike out their own personality. And by the time of episode three, we see that clones have become fairly individualistic, being allowed to like alter their armors and their equipment and, sort of blossom as not just, you know, the factory floor I duplicate they start out as. And I don't think you see that more um, present than when we start seeing, like, again, characters like Rex, and, you know, we get all this time spent with him, and we see how much, like, Anakin and his experiences in Ahsoka influence him, because in the Clone Wars finale, we see that all the clones that served under Ahsoka directly are more than happy to change their armor to reflect their devotion to her yes you know because again these are very impressionable beings uh and i think that's important because we think that that might be also this is okay this is my own speculation but like i think that's another reason why the emperor's attempt at cloning isn't as successful is because a new being a new f- Creature, even though it was made through scientific methods, it exists in the Force and has you know some touch of midi chlorians. It has some connection to the living Force, and the Emperor is trying to override that by just destroying whatever person that could have been and just replacing them with his own consciousness. Yes, I think that might be another reason why this is such an unnatural and awful process. Whereas even Anakin, who's implied to be a virgins in the Force, essentially the Force manifesting a life you know, how that turns out to be a natural, normal thing, whereas these clones, they are unnatural, but they're still part of the cosmic plan of the Force and all that good stuff. Which sort of brings us back to what we see in episode, in Chapter 12, The Siege, um, as uh, Din Djarin and pals are basically trying to take out this last remaining Imperial base on Navarro, Mm -hmm. they eventually get to a floor where they see all this genetic experimentation going on, these bodies in vats that have been twisted and, and, you know, mutated and things like that. And it's heavily implied that this is Moth Gideon trying to use um, the scientists we saw from the earlier episodes from season one who was extracting chlorian samples from the child and trying to use them for transfusions, trying to transfuse those into other beings, other creatures. And these things we see in the vats are either the result of those experiments failing or maybe it's clone bodies that they're using to inject these and count in laced blood. But we definitely get the idea of like, okay, so this feels like something that could have the far reaching touch of stretching all the way out to what, you know, the emperor is trying to do, which is create, you know, a perfected clone body, or it could just be simpler. The fact of like, they're trying to make more force sensitive weapons. They're trying to make their troops able to harness some measure of the force.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting to speculate because we already know, uh, You know, at at this point, the Emperor is alive on Exegol in a cloned body. So it's not like he doesn't already have those cloning facilities set up. And we also know that the remnant of the Empire that ends up turning into the First Order, also at this point in the timeline, would be out in the Outer Rim. So I think, personally, it's unlikely that Moff Gideon is acting under orders from the emperor or from the first order or from an Imperial remnant, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever is in charge at the moment. Um, I think it's unlikely. That's what's happening. I think what's more likely here is that he is experimenting with force powers for his own benefit. He is not serving, you know, an emperor. He is trying to be the new emperor, believing that his emperor is dead.
0: Well, the strange thing and what I think is exciting is trying to figure out exactly where the Imperial remnants ends and begins, because all we know about how the Imperials resolve, you know, dealing with the Emperor's death comes from like aftermath, yeah, and sort of that, that meeting that they all have about how they're going to proceed, and then eventually, you know, it ends in the Battle of Jakku where the M- the Empire has to sign its the Galactic Accordion and finally shut down. And that's where we always thought, okay, and the remnants of the hardliners run off to the wild space and they start the First Order. Yeah. But now Rise of Skywalker gives the impression that the most loyal parts of the Empire retreated back to Exegol and then eventually started going out from Exegol as the First Order. That The First Order might have been an expression of the Emperor slowly putting his power back into the galaxy. So it's really going to be interesting to see if what connections, if any moth gideon has to the first order the the empire the sith empire that exists or is being created on exegol the emperor himself it will be very interesting to see how all that will turn out and i think we are going to get the chance to see it because gideon seems just extremely ambitious and wise in a way that you know could imply either way and and i think all of this gets really screwed up because there's general lion in um Uh, Rise of Skywalker, that basically gives you the idea that, yes, there are ex-Imperials loyal to the Emperor serving on all across the First Order. That the Emperor, one way or other, actually controls the First Order. Whether that's directly or indirectly, he's... he. The First Order is his machinations, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so it's going to be very curious as we we go, finding where the border is on who knows what and and how secretive Exegol is, you know? Yeah, we have
1: 30 years of unknown to craft into the Star Wars universe, and we're only now really, you know, getting our first little pinpricks. It started with Aftermath, and then we got some in the Alphabet Squadron books, and, you know, we've gotten little bits here and there of the Rise of Kylo Ren comic series, but here we are now really getting some live-action, solid information about the State of the New Republic, and the state of the empire and imperial remnants and we're seeing it all now and it it really is a ton of fun
0: yeah it's great because bloodline gave us sort of the the birthplace of the resistance and how it came into being but the first order and its origins and sort of how it came into being we don't really have that story yet so it'll be exciting to eventually get it's like we have the corner
1: pieces we have the outline we understand maybe the big picture but we can only hypothesize
0: on the Minutia, and it's it's gonna be exciting and i think um i think we're gonna see more about cloning in the sense of now that we know that the emperor does it we're gonna probably see stuff like eventually like what is snoke was he cloned from someone or was he just genetically made well these creatures that we see so with snoke um,
1: specifically we do see that uh the visual dictionaries refer to him as as a strandcast, and essentially that is a genetically designed and built. Oh, behavior. that's right. So you know that basically he is more of a. We took all the goo and mixed it up, and he's the clone that came out. Not a clone of you know a person. Yeah, directly. we're not
0: cloning from a. We're not cloning from a template. We're cloning from a. <laughs> a we designed our own. Yes, exactly, exactly right. That's right. I forgot about strandcast yeah. being in there yeah so there will be
1: more there will be more to come that's the thing one
0: day we will get that Snoke story and again we're going to learn more about the subject as we go but for now you want to wrap this thing oh I'm ready Mac let's do it Another episode of Star Wars All In, in the can. Just a teensy, teensy bit late. But, bit if you're listening late. to this on Wednesday, you, we already got it to you, we, so we, that's good.
1: We appreciate your patience as we, uh, we're like 18 hours late, but we, we are making it happen. We had Mac had all kinds of stuff. I had all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's been a weird... We both Vacations,
0: were. medical malady, yeah. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving being canceled. It's been busy over here in the States. <laughs> There's a
1: lot going on and off the books. Uh, but, hey, it's been a great week of Star Wars. And at this point, we're yes. only a few days away from Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian. Uh, yep. Cannot wait to see more of that. lucky one. It. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Mandalorian has been awesome so far. Been great. 12, 12 mm-hmm. was an amazing mm-hmm. episode. Um. And we're we're going to eventually break it down a little bit further. But we are both enjoying, um, from a certain point of view, Empire yes. Strikes Back. Uh, highly recommend it. I mean, I'm only maybe a third of the way through it so far. But, like, highly recommend it. It's already fantastic.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I am about the same. I am through essentially the first act of the movie uh, worth of material, mm-hmm. making my way through. And really, really enjoying it. Highly recommend it. Um, I felt like it maybe had a little bit of a slower start than uh, than the first one, uh, but that's just because the movie has a little bit of a slower start.
0: Well, you know, I'd also want to say that it, you should take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because if you're coming in expecting exactly what they did in a certain point of view, it's not that they expanded it. So, where a certain point of view is almost this like baton carrying thing, where like each story takes place with very little overlap in the movie's timeline mm-hmm. from where the last one was. Mm-hmm. This one, like, you retread the Invasion of Hoth, like, four or five times from different point of views, and that's okay, because there are 40 stories. This is a significantly bigger-in-scope project than the first certain point of view was. And I think the benefit of that is you just get a lot more perspectives on things.
1: Well, I mean, I think what you mean, I mean, the first one also had 40 stories. It's just these are a good... This is a longer book.
0: Well, what I mean is, I think the point of the original certain point of view was... Again, I remember it flowing very narratively along with the movie, and each yeah. sidestep we took was still like time. We weren't backpedaling in the movie's time. Yeah, there time was very,
1: very little of that in the first one. Absolutely, and because agree.
0: we're telling longer, larger stories, I mean, like Wedge's story felt like you know halfway to a novel, uh, novella, which how how big it was of a story. Like, it's it's really interesting to me that I think this is. This is exciting, because it really, really just makes me go, like, I cannot wait for a certain point of view, all nine movies. Uh I want that to happen. I mean, maybe it'll take 30 years, but still, I want it to happen.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait. I can't wait for the inevitable caretaker story when we do The Last Jedi. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yes, yes. I want to know know what they they really really thought. you know, yeah. Um, so definitely encourage people to go go play with that. Uh, other news in Star Wars. Uh, we you know, we are starting to see the Lego holiday specials come out. Uh, I haven't watched it. Ross, have you watched? I it I have.
1: Yeah, I've seen it once. Do you like it? Thumbs up? Thumbs I did down. like it. But I need I do need to watch it again before I have any sort of concrete thoughts.
0: Well, I think in late December, we might talk about that a little more in depth.
1: Yes, we definitely will uh, have it on the agenda coming up here. So fear not oh. giving you plenty of time to watch it and then come back and we will discuss.
0: And I just want to mention one other thing that's really exciting. If you are enjoying Star Wars Squadron, um, they did announce that despite them saying there wasn't going to be a DLC, there's going to be DLC. It's free. <laughs> And and they're going to add basically round out the rest of the fleets by adding the B wing and the tie defender, which sort of gets you up to what uh you know Tie fighter and the x-wing games you you get all the ships yes um which is pretty great and, and that has been a fun little product uh definitely recommended. i think it's on sale for black friday and stuff if you're listening to this in real time so good stuff going on in star wars
1: lots more to look forward to we're uh only months away now from light of the jedi the first yeah. eight chapters have been released online so you can go check that out if you want uh and get a nice preview i've been avoiding it because i just want to sit down with the book i haven't basically since the announcement i have not read anything mm-hmm. about it i'm just trying to stay as in the dark as possible
0: yeah if it's if it's on the star wars instagram crown, i see it otherwise i don't uh.
1: <laughs> so it's only a matter of months until we're caught up with the rest of you who have read those first eight chapters
0: again it's gonna be an exciting time at star wars and we're super happy to have you along the ride and, uh, to be honest with you, I think that's, I think
1: that's all we got. I right. think we're ready to go, Mac. Let's, uh, All let's right, do friends.
0: It. Well, until next Wednesday, I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.